Before we start the show, I'd like to thank our sponsor, NPR. NPR is a part of people's daily lives, and so are the brands that sponsor its award-winning news and programming. Stay tuned. I'll tell you why this matters to your brand. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangal, and today I have a session from our Digiday Publishing Summit. Brian Morrissey talks to Group 9 Media President Krista Caron. Group 9 has not seen any dip in their audience with the algorithm change that had most publishers flailing around early this year. She talked about the good relationship Group 9 has with Facebook. Also worth noting, brands who do short videos might not often find it easy to do long-form programming. Krista talks about how Group 9 media brands are overcoming that challenge. Listen in. Welcome, Krista. So, I think everyone knows Group 9, but perhaps so. not. Perhaps not. They definitely know the brands. Yes. Okay, we've got Thrillist. We do. Young Men. And young women. Okay, but mostly dude-oriented. No, nope, 50% female, female. <laughs> really? Yes, completely. Oh, really? Women like to drink. They like to eat. They no, like to just, go just, on adventurous and that travel. Is, that is all very, very true. Maybe yes. it's just because I remember Thrillist when yeah, Ben started it. Uh, it was very much uh, a, a It dude's. is not anymore. Okay, interesting. Uh, the dodo yes. for animal lovers or just those who don't mind animals? Right. Okay. Seeker. Science and technology, exploring all of the wonders in our life. Okay. Yeah, for the intellectually curious. Yes, who isn't? Uh, and now this. Yes. Which really, I think now this pioneered, for better or for worse, the text on silent video treatment that then took over Facebook. Sure, so I mean, now this definitely is a video first, social first brand. It's known for its news programming, but it is so much more. So there is now this news, it is covering breaking news um, through video and definitely through a th social first lens. But now this also has a number of verticals. So think of it very similar to a New York Times that has a news section, but also style and, and business and travel. And now this, um, or similar to a linear network, also has entertainment and female-focused coverage and sports and money and food, et cetera. OK, explain why these brands were brought together under Group 9. A lot of these were investments that Lair Hippo had, right? Mm -hmm. So explain what the idea is in bringing them under uh, one company? Well, I, you know, I think the concept really started with going back to, the, to what we saw in the cable days, where there were a number of all of these independent cable stations, for some of you who remember those days. And it was hard to operate independently in that world. It was a bit of the Wild West. And you started to see that some companies were coming together and buying up the in independent brands and creating one horizontal infrastructure that gave more support to the independent um, cable companies, the MTVs of the world, Nickelodeons, Comedy Centrals that all become part of Viacom. And we kind of looked and said, listen, the pipes of distribution have been laid here with a firm belief that the social platforms very much are controlling our distribution. There's a number of independent players out there who are producing a lot of great content. We can help give them more scale by consolidating and building one of the first digital media conglomerates. Mm -hmm. 
I, Neil was just up here saying, do not rely on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Now, I would think that your brands very much have relied on Facebook. I would say very much our brands rely on Facebook, on Snapchat, on Instagram, on YouTube, on our O&Os, on podcasts, on inexperientials. So yeah, but like if you looked at when, you know, the Dodo, and let's just leave aside Secret for a second because that came from Discovery. Yeah. Right? Uh, Thrillist was an email newsletter, but uh, if you look at the Dodo and now this, they they were born on Facebook. They were, and they exploded. And they ex and continue to do so. But yeah. they, they put up gigantic numbers, and probably ninety percent plus were Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, a, a year ago, I think that would be very fair to say. Um, certainly, one of our major goals for twenty eighteen, and it's proving out to be a super successful strategy for us, is diversifying our distribution across platforms. So Dodo is super successful on Facebook. It's the right audience. It's the right content for the right Facebook audience. It shouldn't be surprising to anybody that Dodo performs really well on Facebook. But it also happens to perform really well on Snapchat. Okay. And we're able to monetize it on Snapchat as well. Um, and because the Dodo is such a loved brand, we've been able to really merchandise that intellectual property and start to sell it over the top and, okay. and um, bring it into some linear play as well. OK, so how does Facebook then play in this? That is the, 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 the mass reach that mm -hmm. hopefully builds these brands, right? I mean, because you can reach a tremendous number of people, yep. and they still reach tremendous numbers Absolutely. of people. Absolutely, yeah. But then you want to bring these brands into different environments mm -hmm. like OTT. Mm -hmm. So explain exactly how you end up So, I mean, Facebook doesn't own our content. I mean, obviously, through Facebook, we're able to build an audience that starts to have familiarity with our brand. And that love, um, by the way, it's the, literally the most loved brand on Facebook based on how many people tap the heart and love it. Uh, so, I mean, we're able to take some of those insights and start mm -hmm. having discussions with linear properties about the fact that the engagement with Dodo content on Facebook very much can translate into mm -hmm. audience interest on linear. So we did launch our first linear show called Dodo Heroes on Animal Planet this year. Um, very successful and having real-time discussions about season yeah. two. And the backstory of everything that you would have seen on Animal Planet is also then extended through how we tell the stories mm -hmm. um, through the dodo on social. So when people are hitting the, um, the heart button, um, are they hearting the dodo or are they just hearting a cute animal? Would I mean I? Well, because yeah. I, what I mean is like when you're in a feed environment, yeah. there's a lot of stuff coming at you. People stop for cute animals. But you. Um, You've likely opted in to have Dodo in your feed, so you may be following us, okay. right? So you know that it's the Dodo that's serving you up this particular content. The Dodo also has a number of shows, so it's not just feed content. In fact, if anything, Dodo gets the most love through a lot of its show programming. Um, Pitbull fans are maniacal with the Dodo content. Pity Nation is one of our most successful shows, or Odd Couples. Pitbull or the person or Pitbull the animal? Pitbull, Pitbull pets, Pitbull dogs. <laughs> Although I think Pitbull the person is also a massive fan of the Dodo. Okay. <laughs> you know, there are no bad questions. Yeah.
We'll be back after this quick break. Did you know listeners find brand messaging on NPR 23% more memorable than brand messaging in other radio environments? To learn more about sponsorship opportunities across NPR platforms and why they're so effective, visit npr.org slash for brands. Now, back to the episode. So. By the way, like for reasons that escape us, um, people will watch dog, the watch time on dog videos is five times that on cat videos. Okay. Go figure. Interesting. Um, people 55 and older really love moose content that has a moose in it. Yes. I remember uh, the, the Dodo's president was, was here and she was talking to me about how goats were popular at the time. Yeah, goats, yeah. Um, I don't know if they still are. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you're able to monetize a lot better on OTT platforms than on Facebook. Is that fair? I, I, listen, we monetize really well on Facebook. So it so is... So you're very happy with Facebook. We're very happy with our relationship okay. with Facebook. We have not seen the impact from the algo change. We are absolutely monetizing very effectively across all of our brands, but in particular, our video first and our social first brands. Um, we do have the ability to directly sell Facebook mid-roll to our clients. So as a preferred partner and a preferred publisher, we can go to market with that type of transactional mm -hmm. inventory and say to a client, instead of buying audience instead of buying direct with the platform. If you want more contextual relevancy, if you want that brand safety, you can buy direct through us. So we have that type of relationship with Facebook yeah. where we can be creative with our media. So we hear mixed things about uh, Facebook mid-roll, mm -hmm. but you're pleased with it. We're, we're very pleased with it. I mean, the completion rates that we have with Dodo in particular have helped us sign a number of you know meaningful deals in this space. So. I, I'm sorry to be a contrarian here, but actually okay. Facebook works when you have scale and premium programming and a habitual audience. So it's not people are just watching the Dodo once, they're coming back for more. Yeah. So how do you go from having an expertise in, in short video? And like it was a true expertise of, I think Ethan was here one time about like how you grab people. And it's a different, it's a different yeah. way of doing things than getting people uh, the cliffhanger. You know, you want people to come back. It's like, come back after the break yeah. where we find out. Um, how do you end up keeping that expertise but then expanding it as you go from like one minute to three to 11 to 22? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a great question because it is something that's a little bit intimidating to a brand team when there is when there are these opportunities to take your your storytelling to a bigger platform and our editorial team sitting there. How, how do I possibly do this? I you know I've mastered the three minute video and by the way, this year in particular, mastering the three minute video and knowing when you develop that creative arc so that a one minute mid, so the mid roll can come in at one, one minute and there's enough tension in the storytelling to mm -hmm. keep the audience going. I will say that when you start moving from shorter form to mid form to long form, I mean, we said we're not gonna be shy about partnering. Taking a three minute video concept and now saying I need to make a 22 minute longer form, linear quality um, series is, a big deal. So, and we don't know if it's going to work or not. We're willing to take the risk, but we are also very open to partnering. So, we did bring in in certain situations 
uh, production partner, people who know how to do this extraordinarily well, and we learn a lot from that. And you know, we also have a studios team that's based in LA, and this is what they do for a living. This is what they grew up doing. They definitely mm -hmm. come more from a linear mindset. Right. And so you can't expect the people who are expert at doing three-minute videos to all of a sudden be doing. You shouldn't expect that, right? Okay. Right. Um, especially because you want to be successful in this space and you want to be able to prove the quality of your IP. I'm not taking something that is just a news feed video that is meant for just a thumb scroll and bringing that to the more traditional 22-minute, you know, lean-back programming. Uh, and you now have a morning show. Just we launched. We do. Today, we just launched it. Okay, do you want yes. to talk about that? Sure. Um, this is a partnership with Facebook. It's um, a co-produced live morning show. It's called Now This Morning. It launched this morning. It's about a 15-minute live take at the news that's happening around us. Um, it is designed for young people, and it's being delivered by young people, um, and we're super excited about it. I mean, this is, again, another mm -hmm. one of these exper experiments. Um, but it's going to live only on Facebook. This is living only on Facebook. This is a Facebook co-produced show. Okay. Yeah. What other platforms are, are, do you see emerging as potential powerhouses? I'm guessing Instagram, but. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're on Instagram. I think the question for Instagram is when we can all continue to monetize it much more effectively. So the audience is I've growing heard this before. there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the audience is growing there. The scale is there. We're actually monetizing on Snapchat incredibly well this year. Uh, Twitter has been very interesting and much more effective for us this year as well, and, and having more direct conversations with Twitter about any type of original show programming we can do for them. Um, we're distributing certain shows on Amazon Prime right now. And by the way, distribution relationships well outside the US too. I mean, there's a number of platforms where you can be syndicating your content, and that's a whole separate business of ours as well, basically a network syndication business that takes a look at our very rich content library and finds home, homes for it uh, around the world. Right. I uh, want to open it up to questions. We have time for a couple of questions, a couple microphones. Hey, uh, you just said something about the international syndication. I'm wondering if you could just kind of expound upon that a little bit more, what partners you're working with, what markets, um, if the monetization, the CPMs are just as high as the U.S.? Yes, yeah, so it's, um, it's less on the advertising side of it, and it's definitely more on syndi a syndication of our actual content. So um, I, I won't get the names right of a couple of these distribution platforms, but we are working with some platforms in Russia. We are working with some across Europe and Basically, and it, it is when we can easily translate some stuff on, on text mm. on screen, um, but it's just a way for us to actually drive more revenue out of content that we had previously produced. So there isn't necessarily an advertising component to mm. it. It's in the same way that if you grew up watching Friends and Friends goes into syndication and you can be in just about any country and flip on the TV in the hotel room and there's an episode of Friends. So it, that's the type of approach that some digital media companies are starting to take with their content library. And by the way, in order to effectively manage that, we have 
been building a proprietary media management system so that we're able to track the revenue that we're able to generate from each piece of content that we mm -hmm. produce. Is that mostly on the Dodo side? No, it's across the board. I mean, I would imagine. Very much video, obviously. Yes. So not, it's not necessarily the thrillist editorial, the, the written editorial, but more on the video side, especially as we start um, producing more mid-form and longer-form videos. Okay, cool. Yep. Thank you, Krista. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. That's all for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. You can also tweet at me. I'm at Aditi Sangal. Stay tuned. We'll be back next week with another episode.